Good morning, everybody. Uh, glad to have you here. My name is Nate Gagney. I'm the lead pastor here at Restoration Church. Happy Mother's Day to everybody, uh, including my own mom who's here today. So this just proves it. I am human. Uh, I, uh, you know, it's been accused probably before. Um, so glad to have you here. It's going to be a good morning. It has been a good morning. And if you got your Bibles, will you do me a favor? Will you open up to Matthew chapter 8? Uh, if you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. So when you go out to the Welcome Center, we, if you just ask, um, hey, can I have a Bible? They'll give you one for free. No questions asked. And uh, it would be our honor to give it to you. So you don't have to feel bad to ask. Uh, people of the church buy them for you to give them to you. So uh, please... If you don't have a Bible, uh, grab one. We started a series last week called Restoration. And if you didn't notice when you're driving in, the name of our church is Restoration Church. And one of the reasons we named ourselves that is because it is one of the amazing things that God does in our lives is he brings restoration. He um, you, you know, he, and, and not even just in our own lives, but we know one of the things that God's going to do is he's going to, he'll restore us individually. He restores us back to relationship with his father, God. And then one day he's going to restore earth and heaven back to the way it was when he created it. So, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the story, the very first people that God made were, uh, went by the name Adam and Eve and if you think about what life was like in the garden, so God made them, placed them in the garden, placed them on a perfect, on a perfect planet in a perfect world in perfect relationship with him. And eventually they sinned and that changed everything. But the way life was when, uh, before sin entered the world was, was amazing. And God's going to restore it back that way. So um, one of the things that was true then, is not true now, is that there were no predators or carnivores. So even like a lion, you could, before sin entered the world, hang out with a lion or have a pet lion, which would be pretty sweet. Um, we can't, you can't find any biblical evidence to argue against this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it, um, and it could be, it's mostly theory, but you know, there was, there was no sin, there was no disease, so Prior to the fall, prior to sin entering the world, there was no caloric consequences to anything you ate. So you would eat, and you wouldn't get heart disease from it. You could eat. You wouldn't get obesity from it or diabetes from it. So it was just, it was just a, a perfect world. And then Mother's Day, you can remember back to those moments before you met your precious child for the first time. Um, before sin entered the world, there was no pain in childbirth. And so God is going to restore earth and heaven back to the way it was before sin entered the world. God is a God of restoration. It's one of the amazing things that he does. Last week as we started the series, we were kind of giving like this uh, general overview of restoration to begin to have something come alive in our hearts to say, you, you know what, God, can you do that in my life? And we talked about God's ability his desire, his, and, and even his promise to restore things in your life that have been lost or things that have been stolen. He's going to do it. 
If you'll believe him for it, if you'll begin to ask him for it, he will bring restoration in your life. The Bible definition of restoration that we talked about last week was, and, and just definitely recommend you go on and listen to that message, but the Bible definition is when God restores, you receive back more than has been lost to the point where the final state is greater than the original. So when God does restoration, this doesn't just bring it back to the way it was. He brings it back and restores it back to a greater place than even you originally had it. And it shows you how great it, he is. And that it wasn't coincidence that you've experienced this in, in your life. As we look at this passage in Matthew, this passage we're about to read is one of the true accounts of Jesus' life. So what we're about to read happened. It was many eyewitnesses, and there's many people who, who, uh, who witness these events. And, and so as we're about to read it, what we want you to, to, to begin to see through this, even as we start in this message, because, because I don't know who you are, I don't know your background, I don't know why you came to church this morning, um, but one thing I know, God wants to do something in your life, you know, in a similar but different way than he did in the man's life in this story. This morning, no matter why you're here, no matter, um, no matter where you've come from, if you will ask, if you will consider, if you will allow, one moment with Jesus can change everything in your life. Everything. And it may be years of pain, years of heartache, years of struggle, years of loss, but one moment with Jesus, he can restore. He can restore it all. So if you got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 8, I'm going to read it. If you, don't, if you haven't had a chance to grab a Bible, um, you know, uh, we'll put the words up on the screen for you so you can follow along. I'll be reading uh, verses 1 through 4 out of the English Standard Version. It said, when he came down from the mountain, he being Jesus, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. What I want to do is I want to go back, it, we're going to go back at each of those verses and look at a specific part of that because I want to make sure you understand what's going on here. You just read it, you, you know, you just read it, I'm like, oh yeah, a guy got healed. Yeah, we've heard those stories before, but I want you to, to really understand what's been going on because if we, can, if we can understand the Bible, if we can have faith in allow the Bible to build our faith in Jesus, that is where things begin to happen. It's when we believe the Bible and we begin to follow the words of the Bible as we believe in Jesus and as we follow Jesus, then it's where um, all of a sudden now you don't just have maybe this head knowledge belief in God, but you have uh, an understanding and a relationship with him. You don't just have a church you attend, but you have a church that you're a part of that is, um, that is living out the, the, over, the abundant life that Jesus said he came to give. What we see in verse number two, it says, 
And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him. So you get this guy who is, uh, he's, been, he's contracted leprosy, he's, he's gained, he, he's acquired it at some point, and at that time in history, it was incurable. And it was, it was uh, not anything anybody would ever want, and um, so he, he, has, he has gotten this, and, and it's a big deal that he has, he has found out where Jesus is, and that there's a huge crowd of people, but he didn't care. He still went to find Jesus. He still eventually got through the crowd and knelt before him. Because for this leper, as he looked at his condition in his life, he knew that there was no hope, but there was just one possibility for his life to be changed, for his life to return back to the way it was before he had this disease. And that only possibility was Jesus. Because of his leprosy, uh, everybody would, you know, people were very afraid to get, get leprosy because of how much it would affect their life. Uh, also because it was incurable and it was very disfiguring and, um, and, and um, very catastrophic figu- uh, physically. People are going to avoid it. They're not going to want to get it. So when this guy, wherever he is in the leper colony he's living in, when he finds out where Jesus is and he travels there, and there's a huge crowd of people, when he begins to make his way through the crowd, the crowd's parting. They're seeing this guy coming. They want to have nothing to do with him. They don't want to get what he, got, what he has, so they're, they're pushing their way. Probably some people are yelling at him, like, you shouldn't be here. Get out of here. We don't, we don't want to catch what, what you have. And um, so... They're all making their way, and he finally comes before Jesus. Now, this guy's breaking all kinds of rules for this moment. And in the book of Leviticus, God had given the Israelites very specific instructions of what to do if a person contracted leprosy or other skin infections. Anybody that, um, that there was a possibility of them having this disease, so maybe they ended up with a gray spot on their skin or they had ended up with some infection, they would go before the priest and the priest would, um, would evaluate them and he would, if they had an infection, he would declare them as unclean. And at that point, they weren't allowed to go, they weren't allowed to go back to their house, but they had to be uh, segregated from the rest of the community and, and they were to go to live in a leper colony. Even their very appearance, because they were so afraid of this spreading like a plague through their nation, that they had specific things that they had to do. So the leprous person had to wear torn clothes. They were to let the hair of their head hang loose. Uh, they're to cover their upper lip and then cry out, unclean, unclean, whenever they were around people who didn't have leprosy. So as he, as this guy is pursuing the possibility of Jesus being able to help him. Here he is. He looks different. His clothes are different. I mean, he's disfigured from his disease. And as he comes into the crowd, he is yelling, unclean, unclean, unclean. So everybody, if they weren't staring at him already, they're staring at him. And then they're, they're just frightened. You know, parents are are like grabbing their kids. They don't want, they just don't want, and nobody wants this disease because of how life altering it was. If they had the, the disease, they were declared unclean, which was 
speaking of their physical condition, but also their spiritual condition, and they were not allowed to live within the encampment and then when they had a city to live within the city. The leper wasn't supposed to come within six feet of any other human, including his own family. And eventually, superstition grew so much, and uh, in the culture began to add on these additional um, expectations for people with leprosy that some researchers have found that a person with leprosy, they, there were even times where they, they weren't allowed within 150 150 feet of other people if the wind was blowing. They just did not want any chance of that disease being caught. So what lepers would do is they would live in community with other lepers until either they got better or they died. And then even um, people within a leprous colony would, would marry and, and have relationships. This was, it seems crazy, but this is the only way at a time where, there, where this was an incurable disease, it was the only way they knew to spread, the, to spread leprosy from going. So they would move people to quarantine. And we could think, like, that's crazy that people would be treated that way. You could think, you know, if you have any bit of, of angst against God, you begin to turn that against God and, and get angry at God for that and see, see, God... It doesn't care, it doesn't love people, but um, this was, this was several, thousand, se- several thousand years ago, but yet this has even happened in the time period where we've been alive. In Hawaii, um, uh, they took one of their smaller islands and turned it into a leper colony. And at any point where someone would contract leprosy, they'd move them to the smaller island, and they were quarantined there. And this practice was put in place until 1969, where then they stopped doing that. At one point, there were 8,000 people on that island as they were segregating them and trying to keep this disease from spreading through the islands. Now, the disease, it, it is treatable at this point, so if you got it, it's it's really no big deal. If you catch it early, it would be treated, and, and there's no problem. But for many of these people, until by the time the, the, the cure and the treatment had been found, I mean, they had been so disfigured. And so many of these people, even though they no longer have leprosy, they, there's still 14 people remaining on the island who, by, at least by 1969, had been moved there. Some of them are in their 20s or teenagers. And, uh, and they still live there because... The prejudice against them and the other islands is still so high. People are still afraid uh, of leprosy, and there's still such a stigma surrounding it. In Japan, uh, in 1907, they enacted the Leprosy Prevention Act, and it was enforced for almost 90 years until it was finally abolished in 1996. So anybody in Japan who had been found to have leprosy was put in sanatoriums or put in hospitals, uh, essentially uh, government-controlled leper colonies. And this was, this was continuing for decades after treatment had been found. As of 2009, so nine years ago, 2,600 former leprosy patients were living in 13 national sanatoriums, and hospitals. And they no longer had the disease, 
but they had nowhere else to go because the prejudice against them, it was so much that if people found out they have leprosy, they couldn't get jobs. People found out, you know, where, where were you living? Um, and, and, and they just haven't been, society hasn't allowed them back in. So they have just stayed, they've just stay isolated like these 14 people on the Hawaiian island until they pass away. So that's in our modern culture. So think back to this guy uh, 2,000 years ago facing this disease, the type of prejudice against him, but yet he faced ridicule. He broke rules because he just knew he wanted his life to be changed. So there's a possibility of my life being changed. I need to pursue that. I need to find out. I need to ask. And maybe for you coming here to church today, it was even a risk for you to be here. And maybe uh, your mom didn't want you coming to church today, but she still came. And now you're on Mother's Day. You're going to go and celebrate with her, but she's going to be angry at you. And she's, she's mad that you made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe for some of you, you're at church today, but you don't want your friends or, or, or some of your family or your coworkers to know that you are actually here. And I listened to a story from a lady who had come to Christ, but previously she had been an, uh, an atheist professor. And she was talking about how there was something in her that wanted to find out more about Jesus. And so she started going to church and she was lying to all her friends about what she was doing on Sunday mornings. They would invite her places, and she would make up excuses why she couldn't go, and they would ask what you do over the weekend, and she would just lie. She would never tell them she went to church. Eventually, she made the decision to follow Jesus, but she was so afraid at how her friends were going to treat her that she continued to lie to them for, for quite some time. So finally, she got the cur courage to tell them, and unfortunately, as she feared, um, many of her friends acted the way she thought they might, and they stopped talking to her, they harassed her, they made fun of her. And, um, but she just, there was a possibility that Jesus could be real. And so she risked all of her relationships because she needed something more. If you're here today and that's you, you don't know if it's worth, you're coming, you don't know, you're thinking about Jesus, there's a possibility of Jesus and, and you just don't know how people are going to react to you or treat you if you make a decision to follow him. You know, I, you may not know me, but listen, I want to encourage you, it is worth the risk. We see from this guy, I mean, risking, risking a lot to find Jesus. If you're here and you're not sure and you're just wondering what's going to happen if I pursue him, listen, if you, if you find him, and you, and you will, you will find him, it will be worth it. That lady, when her friends came against her, she didn't give up. Her, her newfound faith in Jesus. And she never regret the moment where she found him. Jumping back to verse number two. So there's this possibility of Jesus changing a life. And then we see there's a request. And he says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. This is not just a physical request, because he didn't just say, hey, could you heal my leprosy? His language here, you can make me clean. He's asking Jesus to do something both physical and something spiritual. 
what we can see in our, in our life and, and what I want to encourage you. Sometimes we ask Jesus for stuff, but we only ask him for physical stuff. We're, we're in a bad situation, we ask Jesus to do a miracle. You know, it's a bad financial situation, we ask Jesus to do something about it. We're lonely, we ask Jesus to bring us someone. We're in danger, we ask Jesus to rescue us. And we only ask him for external things. And listen, if Jesus answered every one of your external requests, but you never knew him, and he never did anything in your heart, you would still have nothing. And this restoration is a lot more than just physical stuff. Maybe you foreclosed on a house 10 years ago and now you're waiting for another house. If he can give you a new house, but if you don't have him, you still have nothing. And this leper knew that. So he asked, he asked for everything. He asked for the best. Cleanse me. He knew that he couldn't heal himself. He knew he couldn't make himself clean. And at, at, at in Jesus' ministry, this was the first leper who was ever, that Jesus ever healed. And so he has not seen Jesus heal another leper. He has not, uh, no, no other leper has told him, hey, you, if you go to Jesus, he can help you out. He just knows he has no hope. And he's lived without hope for who knows how many years or how many decades as he's had this disease. And he's just waiting till the day he dies. He is absolutely helpless. Jesus, his response to him, we're going to see is he, this guy is helpless, but still somehow something inside of him says, this is the man I need to ask. And you're here today and maybe you're hopeless. Maybe no one in your family has ever made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe nobody in your family has ever gotten and broken out of just the things that have just seemed to plague and ruin your family for generations. And you think, it's happened to my, my, my entire family is this way. How can I be any different? That's where Jesus comes in. And you begin to say, listen, I've never seen it done before. No one, I've never seen it done for anybody I know, but Jesus, if you will, can you change my life? They say it can't be done. I feel like no one wants me. Maybe I feel like you don't even want me, and I don't know how you're going to treat me, but I've got nowhere else to turn. I've got nowhere else to go. So Jesus, if you will, please, could you, could you cleanse me? Jesus, if you will, please. Could you change my life? So this leper does this. He's kneeling before Jesus. He's made this request, and we wonder, how is Jesus going to respond? And his heart must have been beating in his head, just so afraid. He doesn't know if he's going to be uh, struck. He doesn't know if Jesus would spit on him. He doesn't know if he'll be stoned at that moment. He doesn't know it. Is Jesus going to react like Jimmy Fallon and his, you know, as one of his sketches, he's going to be like that girl is like, ew, or is he going to, what is he going to do? We see here that Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. He said, I will be clean. The man, this man with leprosy would have broke at this gesture. No one without leprosy had touched him in, in, who knows, in who knows how long, in a number of years. 
Remember, everywhere he goes, he's to cry out, unclean, 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 because it, people, he's giving people warning, get away from me. So people aren't coming near him, and if they start to do it, he's going to start unclean, unclean, then they're going to be terrified, like, oh my word, I almost touched a guy with leprosy. But here's Jesus, he's not afraid. He's not afraid of his condition. He's not afraid of what he looks like. He's not afraid of, of, uh, of catching anything. And Jesus, uh, Jesus touched him. And just think about this guy. If this man had been married and he had children and he had contracted leprosy, it would have changed his entire life. And, and he could have been happily married. He could have been a great dad. But as soon as he, leprosy is on him and he's contracted it, he has to leave his family, leave his home, leave his kids, and, and go live in this leper, leprous colony. And, you know, his, his, for many families, he'll never have contact with his wife again. You know, he may have been used to the day before holding hands with his kids and walking with them and, and cuddling them and being affectionate with them. But now that he has leprosy, he'll never touch them again especially as a, as a good dad, he's not going to want to give his children the disease he's contracted. And so he's been, he hasn't touched the people he's loved for many years, but then here's Jesus touching him. And you and your life, sometimes you come to church and you have like this head knowledge, I believe in a God. I believe in God. You know, maybe even so far, I believe in Jesus, but you've never experienced him. Listen, I, I grew up in church my entire life. Probably the week I, you know, when I was two weeks old, my parents brought me to church, and I've been in church almost every week for the, since, you know. I've just always been in church. And so even as a little kid, I, you know, I believed in God. And I don't think, and I believed in Jesus, and I don't think I ever doubted God for probably more than two hours in a day. I've just have always believed in him. And I thank, and I thank him for that, that I, I've never really struggled with that. But I remember being 14 years old and being in a church service for teenagers, and God touched my life. That I felt a physical presence of God, and I felt God pour out all of his infinite love on me, an eighth grader. And that changed my entire perspective. And, and I just remembering, God, I always believed in you, but I had no idea I could know you like this. And it changed everything. And that, that's one of the main reasons I became a pastor is because I want, I want other people to experience that like I have. You think God doesn't care about me, God doesn't love me. Listen, what would, God, what would Jesus do? What does Jesus even want to do here today? He wants to touch your heart. He wants to show you how much he loves you. So it says, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And it says, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And so the guy would have seen it. He would have seen the gray skin turn flesh colored again. And uh, leprosy is a neurological disease, so um, it kills your nerve endings. And so he would have immediately had feeling again in the tips of his missing fingers, you know, on his nose, on his extremities. He would have had feeling again. And he would have known immediately. He probably would have been shocked at the, at, at the, the power of God, the presence of God healing and touching his body. He would have been shocked at that moment. But he, he, he instantly knew the disease was gone. And what Jesus did in that moment, it says he was cleansed. Jesus, he, 
healed the disease and he cleansed the leper. He did something physical and he also did something spiritual. He cleansed him. He, from the inside out of his entire body, he changed that man. What he said next was interesting. He said, listen, don't tell anybody about this, but go to the priests first and have them verify that, uh, that this is done. And this, a couple different reasons Jesus did this. One, he wanted the guy to, conf- to continue to follow the practice of the culture. But also, Jesus wasn't a con man. So he didn't convince the guy anything. He wanted it to go and be verified. And so this was medical verification of the day. And so when Jesus does something in your life, you don't have to be afraid of going and talking to your doctor about it. If Jesus does a healing in your life, you don't have to be afraid of telling your doctor about it because if Jesus did something in your life, your doctor is going to be able to see it. Now, they're probably not going to give Jesus the credit for it, um, but you don't have to be afraid. Uh, if Jesus does something in your heart, you don't have to be afraid to, to tell other people about it because they're going to recognize it and they're going to see it. That's, you know... A church word for that is a testimony. That you have something you could talk about that Jesus has done in your life, and other people are able to see it and verify that it has happened. So he goes. We don't know how long he had to travel from from where they were meeting uh, to to the temple where the priests were, but he eventually makes his way there. And I'm not sure if it was like the DMV, and so he had to take a number and he had to just wait hours for his turn. But finally, it's his turn. And he goes and he, he comes in to the priest and, he, and, they're, and they're like, yeah, why are you here? And he's like, I used to have leprosy, uh, but it's gone now. And I, I just like you to verify that. And so I've got all the other stuff and, uh, that I need. Um, and so the priest begins to examine him. And eventually the priest said it like, no, yep, you're clean. So here's your next steps. And yeah, you're, you're free to go. You're free to, you're free to come back. How? Do you think that guy was going to react in that moment? Because they say, you know, yeah, you're clean, you know, you know you're, you're free. Well, like, you know, this guy has just spent how many years saying, I'm unclean, unclean, unclean. Is, just imagine now, he's got this report that he's clean as he comes out of that, as he comes out of that temple. What is he going to do? He's going to start sprinting back to his house, sprinting back to his family, sprinting back to his friends, just be, screaming at the top of his lungs, I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm clean, running back to his neighborhood. And you just imagine, and everybody's like hearing this guy screaming, and they, they, they're coming out of their, uh, of their house, and looking, and they can hear him coming, and if all the neighbors are gathering around and the, you know if he's married and he's got kids they're all looking and like who's that person coming and he, he finally runs up and he's just how how excited to be screaming I'm clean I'm clean embracing people again loving people again you know being able to go back to work being able to be back in in community and then and then he wouldn't stop there he wouldn't stop there because after he's embraced everybody, he would probably run back to that leper colony where he had made friends. And he'd begin to tell them all, listen, guys, I'm clean. I'm clean. Jesus changed my life. He changed me. Everything about me has changed. And he can do it for you too. You've got to go find him. You've got to find out where he's going to be next. You've got to go there. Because if he did it for me, he can do it for you. And he just, we can't even imagine how great he would be feeling, how, how, how dramatic that moment, that one verse 
changed his entire life. And for you, listen, listen, listen. Jesus wants to do a restoration in your life. He wants to bring a physical and spiritual restoration to your heart and your life. If you're here and you're, and you're like amening that, and you're like, yeah, that's true. He, he did that for me. Listen, you, we, have, we have got to, as people who have experienced that restoration, we experience Jesus touching us and changing our life, we have to have compassion on the lepers around us. Now, leprosy is obviously, we, we don't have very many diseases in our culture that we're afraid of, thanks to medical advancement. So praise God for that. But we have these colonies. You have colonies that exist in our culture. Colonies of homeless people who, who live together. Colonies of people who, who are struggling with addiction living together. Colonies of people in poverty living together. Even colonies of people of affluence living together. And, and, and these, are, these are leprous colonies. These are colonies where they've, they've been segregated from the rest of culture and and Jesus has something for them, and we need to have compassion on them, not flipping our nose up at them, not, not being snobs to them, not saying, like, they get everything they deserve. No, we are called as the church to be the body of Christ, the body of Jesus, acting in our culture the way Jesus acted in his, in his time. We're his representatives. And so as his church, we love these people. We're not afraid of these people. We have compassion on these people. And if you used to be one of them, then you run back into those neighborhoods and you run back into those areas and say, listen, you don't have to stay here because I was here and he's changed my life. So we have to do that. And if you're here and you've, if you're here and you've never ever experienced that, I want this story and this account of Jesus' life to put something in you. The realization that Jesus has the power to cleanse your life. That he has the t power to change your life. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus has a power to restore your heart and your life, to restore you back into a relationship with God, even maybe one you never knew that you had lost. He has the power to do that. I want to invite everybody to stand. And I want to pray for you. And then I want us to sing a song together. The song, we've never sung it before, but so I want to, I just want to, uh, read you a couple of verses of, of the chorus. It says, Oh, what measure of love could come cleanse this broken heart of mine? Oh, what bountiful grace would come that death be satisfied? I am clean. I am clean. This morning, if you're someone who've experienced the touch of Jesus, you've had your life restored by Jesus, you've been forgiven by Jesus. When we sing this song, I want you to sing it remembering back, that, remembering back to the moment he changed your life. We don't ever want to forget that. 
We don't ever want to forget where we were before he came because if we forget that, we become religious people. We don't ever want to forget what he did. And so when we get to the point where we're singing, man, I want you to sing with the exuberance of that guy who ran out of the temple. I am clean. I am clean. I am clean. Every good thing in my life is from you. I am clean. You have done a work in my life. If you're here and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus and you're, you're still, you're like, man, I think he could do something, but I'm still not sure. When we sing this song, I want you to sing it as a prayer. To sing, you, you know, Lord, if it's your will, I'm clean. Lord, if you could do something in my life, do it. And you begin to pray it as a prayer. And then even eventually, as we, in the, just in the two minutes we sing the song, you begin to sing it with, with a little bit of faith. And you begin to say it, Lord, do this. Do this. Change my life. Make me clean. Let me pray for you. Jesus, for every person in here, I pray that you would touch them, that you would pour out all of your love on them and they will experience you in a way they never knew was possible. And you just change their life from the inside out. You change everything in their life. For every area of lost God, there would be restoration in Jesus' name. For every area in their life, God, you will be evident. You will move. For anyone in here who's never made the decision to follow you, I just pray they talk to you right now they, they say this to you, Jesus, I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me, to clean me, and I make a decision right now to believe in you and to follow you. I pray this in your name, Jesus. I pray they would pray that prayer. Jesus, we thank you for your kindness and your goodness and your generosity, for your compassion and your power. We love you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.